Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Days Africa 2020 is about to go live. Good afternoon and welcome to day 12 of Radio Days Africa, proudly presented by Ritz Radio Academy. My name is Claire Mawisa and I'll be moderating this panel today. Radio Days Africa 2020 is made possible through the generous support of the Sub-Saharan African Media Program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation. Thank you so much as well to our sponsors who have made this conference possible. Um, and our sponsors are Iono FM. Thank you so much for the podcasting and the streaming, the Abundant Media Group for sharing the conference to community radio stations on their Vivid channel, RCS Sound Software, and Crossfade Studios. Thank you so much for making the online version of Radio Days Africa 2020 happen. Like I said, it is day 12, so I hope you've also registered for the remaining sessions. They're going to be good, and I'm excited about today's session. Remember, you can participate today by asking a question, and I'd love to hear what they are. So all you need to do is tap in your question below uh, in the Q&A uh, box, in the Q box, and I will get to them in the second half of this conversation. Um, and hopefully we can get our panelists to answer your questions. And speaking of our panelists, we have them scattered all over Africa, so I'm super excited to be speaking to them. Uh, we have Gary Strubel, who is the CEO for Future Media in Namibia. We have Davies Kabuswe, who is the executive president at Sun FM in Zambia. From the Democratic Republic of Congo, we've got Blero Kajam, who's a radio journalist with RTNC. And all the way from Nigeria, we have Jonathan Liamgon, who is the group head radio at Consolidated Media Associates. Thank you so much for joining me, gentlemen, and for giving me your time. What I would like to do is start off with an introduction. So if all of you, um, I'll ask in a particular order, if you could just introduce yourselves uh, and tell us more about the organizations that you represent here today. Um, I'll start with Gary, then Jonathan, then Blero, and then Davies. Uh, just introduce yourselves and tell us the organization you work for and uh, a little bit about that organization. Are you on mute, Gary? You're still muted. Unmute. There we go. Thank you so much. Thank you, Claire. So Future Media is a four-station cluster here based in Vintuk in Namibia. All four radio stations are national radio stations. Um, and um, uh, we have Omalunga, Fresh FM over my right shoulder, Nova, and then Radio Wave are our four brands. We cover a vast spectrum of different formats. got a brand called Sound City Radio, which is an offshoot of our highly successful contemporary brand, which would sit in the likes of the Ukozis uh, and the Citizen uh, Radio in Kenya. Um, uh, it's called Correct FM, and we've got uh, it across the they are localized stations, but in different uh, cities across the country, each operating as a standalone local station. And uh, immediate, we're heavily into events. Each of these brands activates an event uh, that runs in tandem with the brand. So essentially we see our listenership as uh, same people manifesting or seeking fulfillment across different platforms, uh, essentially. And we want to be there when they need that attention. All right, you can go ahead, Davies. Uh, thank you very much, Claire. Um, uh, Davies Kabuswe is my name once again. Um, I'm from um, a media house called Sun FM Zambia. Um, we, we are a radio station, uh, one of the biggest radio stations in Zambia, um, broadcasting um, on six transmission points across the country. 
Um, we also have um, our, our studios are in, in three locations. That is um, uh, the main one being in Indola City. Um, then the second one being in Lusaka City, which is the capital city of Zambia. And uh, the other uh, uh, studios are based in Livingston, which is the tourist capital of Zambia. And um, also, we've recently gone into TV. So our radio is going to be um, um, an audio, uh, uh, audio-visual uh, radio. And people will be able to uh, watch everything that we play on our, on our radio station. And uh, so we'll have two television streams. Uh, one which will be radio on TV and the other one which will be uh, specifically TV. And uh, also, um, uh, we are currently sitting on the DSTV platform, one of the few radio stations that are sitting on the DSTV um, and Go TV platform in Zambia. Um, basically that, I'm the executive president of, of, of Sun, Sun FM Radio. Thank you, Davies. Uh, Blero, bonjour. Uh, I think you're still muted, Blero. If you could unmute yourself uh, for your introduction. Okay. My name is Blero Kajan. As you know exactly, I'm working in, in the state radio, the state radio and television, which is Earth and Safe. Okay. While covering all the country, including the Democratic Republic of Congo. First of all, you are going to apologize me of, for my English because I'm in a French speaking country. I've been educated in it. French-speaking country, okay? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm uh, working in RTNC. I'm a journalist, I'm a reporter in RTNC. I've been working there for one year, okay? Before RTNC, I've been working private radios for something like even 13, 13 years ago. I'm working in radio and television. But uh, right now, I'm happy to share with you. Um, I think let's start off with uh, you, Blero, actually, and just to find out about how the pandemic has affected your work. Um, just checking in with you. I mean, you're on the ground as a journalist. How has COVID-19 just affected how you do what you're doing? Yeah, it has affected the work. Yes, of course, because uh, we've been working a lot on the ground when we're reporting, but right now we're not working with the number we had before, because people have to be stay home, have not to be a lot of in the studio, have not to be a lot of well been working. That's why we not capable to be in touch or to be looking for information as we did before, you know, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, for the rest of our panelists, I mean, Jonathan, um, how has uh, COVID-19 just affected how you guys are doing work um, and how you guys are operating there? Oh, unmute yourself, please. Come again, please. Um, yeah, I just wanted okay. to know, how has it been like during the pandemic? Just, I just want to get an idea of how it's affected how, you, how you're working. So um, essentially. Oh no, we seem to have uh, lost Jonathan or having, oh, Jonathan, are you there? Yes. Okay, cool. I think we lost you with that answer. Yeah. So for for us at the onset of the pandemic, um, we pretty much, we're able to swing. Once we saw the, the, the whole thing building up, the first thing was we figured, look, not being on air, um, I think my video's gotten stopped. Um, yes, so by that time, we can hear you clearly. So yeah. it's, not from, it's not from my end here. Um, once we saw all of the, the trends as they were building up in a few other places uh, outside of the continent mostly, it became very apparent that, look, it was very, very important for us to start to think, how do we keep the stations on air? Because we know very much that of all the people who are entitled to, uh, to go away from the scene, radio isn't one of those who would enjoy that benefit, if you would. So the first thing we did was to take inventory of our uh, state of affairs from a technological point of view and to review to figure 
what are the things we can do remotely. Thankfully, because we had a practice of voice tracking already that had been in place leading up to this, it was seamless to be able to just switch on to that. So once we had uh, instantly, what I, I was able to do was I just had a meeting with all of my colleagues across different departments and we looked at how work will be affected. And uh, with the help of our, our colleagues from technical, instantly we're able to get links that allowed for people to be able to broadcast from home. Uh, we also took key learnings by using mobile phones. It's amazing that we're in a, people say we're in a digital age or I think we're in a mobile devices age. The possibilities that sit in all of those things, we're able to activate them and straight up, we didn't lose not a second of uh, regular programming. And throughout the times we were on active lockdown, uh, all of our on-air colleagues were able to keep things coming real time, good time, and it went smooth. So what, how that, that has affected us essentially in the sense that it has made us to look deeper and look at more possibilities that uh, exist, at least from an operational, technically operational point of view. Great. I mean, it's 2020, Gary, and I think every year people always want to know the relevance of radio. Is it still as relevant? Why is it so important? Uh, and a question I'll pose to all of you is, why is radio so important to Africa? Why is radio so important to your area, uh, to your region? Um, maybe you can even explain what are people using the radio more for? Is it entertainment? Is it education? Is it to get information? Um, so why radio and why is it so important for Africa in particular? So it was an interesting time for, for radio. Um, you know, commercially it was a dreadful time, but from a, from a radio take-up perspective, it, it was the, the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns that ensued really brought the relevance of radio home. And we've seen this already in a lot of advertising money locally that started shifting back to radio based on this. And the theory, my theory has been on two things, is that what people want when it comes to information dissemination in times of crisis, they want information quickly and they want it from a platform they trust. So Twitter's quick. No one can beat Twitter. Facebook is pretty quick. Google's pretty quick. But people are increasingly starting to realize that trust is difficult in those spaces um, and that it will continue to be ever more difficult the more popular they become. Newspapers are, uh, and traditional print media is trusted. Um, you know, it's, it's a thing that's been consumed for decades now, but it's just not quick. And where radio shone through this entire period, especially where geography became a problem, people couldn't buy a newspaper, they couldn't get on the streets, they were locked at home. Uh, radio was everywhere, it was in real time, and I was hearing news from people I trusted. And um, more than anything, I think the critical element of radio is this element of trust. We work very hard to gain the trust of our listeners. And during times of crisis, we want to hear from people we trust. And radio's true strength came through at that point. And Davies, um, you know, for you, what would you say? What is it, um, you know, about radio or why is radio so important for Africa? Yeah, thank you, Claire. Um, uh, first of all, like Gary, like what Gary is saying, um, um, radio is one of um, the media uh, platforms that are trusted. Um, you know, there's a lot of fake news now going uh, going around uh, the, the continent, um, and 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 usually the fake news is spread on on social media. You find that um, you have a lot of uh, you know stories that are generated on social media on on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, but on radio, it's it's rare that you're going to find um, uh, presenters, announcers, you know, spreading uh, false stories or false rumors, and it's, it's unethical for broadcasters. So uh, because of that trust, you find that people may see something on social, on Facebook, on Twitter, but before they can get comfortable with the news that uh, they've they've seen on social media, they first wait to hear what the radio. and how it has affected us back here in Zambia, um, 
particularly our station, uh, what, 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 what happened what is happened? that the, from the onset of the pandemic, we had to streamline our operations. We had to cut our broadcast. Our broadcast was 24 hours, but we had to cut to 18 hours. So we were only running from uh, 06 uh, AM to... And that meant that we had to send people on um, uh, leave uh, just because, uh, you know, we had to reduce the numbers. We had to work with a, a, a slim um, a workforce. So um, we've had to lose some people, uh, unfortunately, uh, because we had to, come to, to suspend um, some contracts. And uh, also, we also lost the income because uh, some of our clients had to, uh, you know, put a, a, a stop to to their to their um, uh, programs. They had to stop sponsoring programs. They had to stop advertising, uh, and so it has affected our fi- our, our 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 cash flows as well. Uh, so um, the pandemic has really uh, hammered us here in Zambia, and uh, the numbers are rising. This is a time when the government is actually thinking of 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 going on a full lockdown because of of how the numbers are rising because people were taking it lightly but now the situation is getting worse so again you can only rely on information that is coming um on on platforms such as radio um because on social media you'll find that there is a lot of uh, wrong information that is being spread and so you 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 want to make sure that you you are well informed and 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 uh, you rely on on, on truthful information mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Blairoy, um to you now, I mean, Gary and Davies have spoken about the fact that people are trusting the information that they're hearing on radio. Is that the same in uh, the DRC? Um, or, you know, are you also struggling with cases or issues of fake news? What's the situation like in the Democratic Republic of Congo? Uh, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. But what has been said uh, by, the, by the two, uh, the two brothers of mine, journalists, is quite okay. And it, the same thing with what is happening here, is happening here in the Democratic Republic of Congo, you know. Because nowadays, you know, fake news is covering all over the world, especially all over the continent of Africa. People are not trusting anymore the information that is being given to any kind of, uh, of uh, uh, I mean, of sources of information, mainly of social media. That the reason why uh, people are trusting now in radio and television, because everyone can wake up in the morning and uh, giving certain information that is not good. That the reason why the radio remain the media that is being trusted by the people because of, uh, uh, first of all, it's covering all the big parts of the country, it's covering all, all the big parts of the cities, and uh, with the internet that is not developed here in the Democratic Republic of Congo, fake news is not going going all over the country, okay? But the radio is going all over the Thank you, Blero. I think um, talking now about just radio and the landscape and what radio looks like in your in your different regions, I'm curious to find out about how are you guys measuring um, success? So how are you guys measuring things like your listenership, uh, your time spent listening, your cue? Where are you getting um, all of that information from? So I'm, that's what I'm extremely curious about um, because I don't know if it's the same in every country or in every region, or even if we are trusting the numbers that we are getting. So Jonathan, um, could you explain how uh, it happens in Nigeria when you, when you get numbers in terms of things like uh, QM, TSL, uh, listenership? Well, we we pretty much use the diary. The diary system is the is the is the most uh, famous or is the industry standard that we use. Uh, despite its 
some argue it's dated, uh, and the world has really moved on to some more advanced, more precise measuring uh, means. So we, we do that, and interestingly, the data gets processed by InfoTools, which is uh, South African, which is based out of Joburg. So the data has to travel all the way. Uh, and uh, the, the interesting details we're beginning to see from, because only about last month did we start to see data from the peak times of the lockdown. So the data often comes uh, about a month behind uh, time. So if the data is retrieved in May, you don't get to see the details until June. So exactly a month after. And so far, what we've seen is uh, there's been greater uptake in number of listeners uh, at home. For our market, uh, home listenership accounts for mostly over 60% of listenership. And those numbers haven't uh, been shaken at all. Uh, but for a city like Lagos, where there's a significant number of people in traffic, uh, which is responsible directly for TSL, for the time spent listening, because once you're stuck in traffic, you're stuck in traffic. The most you can do is go from station to one station to the other. Uh, so that went down a bit. And then uh, in the overall level of uh, seeking for information, some of the on the side uh, data, individual data that has been collected, it has shown that people have looked forward to listening to radio for update of information. And what we saw was there was an increase in listening to radio in the onset of the pandemic, which some have explained that it had a lot to do with people seeking for more information. Uh, because at the time, people hadn't uh, details. Every, a lot of things were conjectural, even from the World Health Organization. So people were uh, grappling with their different options, and radio was one of the most certain ones. And what that helped us to do was it helped us to be able to plug in a lot of information that was verified that we had, with, which kept listeners coming back. So our numbers didn't drop. But ironically, uh, for one of the few times in the history of uh, commercial radio, numbers went up, but advertising went down. That's interesting. Gary is nodding his head. I want to know why you're nodding your head, Gary. Uh, is <laughs> that the same thing that you Numbers went up. I think it's no, it's no math. Uh, numbers went up because people had a reason to tune in. Uh, and people were cut off from their usual activities. And then, you know, when you look at... Um, this part of the continent where there, you still have infrastructural deficits, uh, what you guys would call uh, load shedding. It's uh, more of a, a big brother of load shedding we have in some places sometimes. It goes on for longer hours. So radio is one of the most seamless means you can just, you don't, unlike data, where you have to recharge your mobile devices to, to, to get information with radio, tiny batteries would keep you on. Some even have solar powered uh, systems. So I think all of this, but then instantly, and, and this is what I think we must be prepared for because of a lack of real time availability of data. What we saw was advertisers, once they didn't have an idea of where the world was going. They just pulled out a lot of their advertising. Straight up, we had orders canceled uh, because people didn't know what to do. Meanwhile, on the contrary, what they should have done would have been to have flooded the market with more advertising because there was greater opportunity. But I suspect that their activities happened because they didn't have real-time data and there was no conversation happening between the media uh, buying space and the broadcast space. We knew the numbers were up, uh, but uh, they just wouldn't listen. <laughs> I mean, Gary, have you found a, a similar situation in Namibia um, in terms of just, um, um, I mean, Davies also alluded to it. I mean, people are not spending. Are people spending? What's listenership doing? Are you aware? Or how are you tracking your numbers? How are you tracking your, your numbers during this time? And traditionally, how would you do it anyway? So traditionally in Namibia, it's uh, perhaps contrast in, in massive stark contrast to a country like Nigeria. Very small population spread out over an enormous area. Um, measurement is typically a problem. Um, they have an annual survey that gets done. 
but it hadn't been done for three years. So we were fortunate that a survey was done just towards the end of last year. So again, it's diary-based um, and interviewed. It is, it is quite a stringent survey, but it doesn't really, it's not really, um, hasn't been bought into by a lot of the broadcasters here. As a privateer, often it's better not to have numbers and back yourself on marketing as opposed to data. Um, coming as I do from a, from a more f a formalized environment, the numbers have been good. Um, we, we, we have about a 50% penetration into all adults of the country and about an 80% penetration into all economically active adults across our four brands. So we wanted the numbers. They came out towards the end of last year. But we've also had um, multiple sources. And, and typically, I think this will be the new normal for radio as well as to, to consistently find different kinds of evidence that point to listening because there's there's also different kinds of listening so during covid we had incredibly active listening but in in very in a very different pattern to the normal day part which would be a morning show we typically moved our morning shows later because people were waking up later there wasn't school and they weren't necessarily having to be in traffic so put your morning host on two hours later so that people can enjoy them at home and that led to some changes as well We've been tracking streaming numbers. Um, streaming numbers are a good indicator for us of people tuning in on, on different platforms. And we've seen across all four brands, streaming numbers. Um, and on two of the brands, the streaming numbers more than doubled, or already quite impressive numbers, which told us that people were also coming in that, couldn't, that didn't necessarily have terrestrial access, but wanted the information that they knew that brand could provide. Perhaps people that had gone from the cities to traditional grounds where they didn't have reception, but were, were in the habit of listening to these brands. Um, what is an interesting point to, to just touch on something Jonathan said was the behavior from advertisers. I think, I think a number of major advertisers failed a big test. Um, what a lot of advertisers did is just stop talking altogether. And what I gathered from a number of international brands is that they, they felt advertising was inappropriate in, in a time of crisis. And I think in many cases, there's, there's some merit behind that. But I think what advertisers could have done with the same investment is they could have communicated different messages. There was so much confusion in the marketplace that um, endorsement from big brands, for example, around basic things like mask wearing or staying at home, or um, if alcohol companies in the absence of being able to advertise alcohol had come out and encouraged people to uh, adopt a slightly different lifestyle during this weird period, I think that would have led to further assistance on government's efforts to get people to adhere to, you know, the, um, the, the very strange life that they were being asked to lead. And I think in many cases, brands were just not able to react quick enough in a smart enough way. And the knee-jerk reaction of just removing all advertising um, not only had a huge impact on the media sector, which the country needed, not only radio, but also print and many digital outlets, um, but it also had the it, it had the downside of having media companies scrambling for cover as opposed to stepping up to the plate, which is, which is, what, we, which is what ultimately we wound up doing, but at our own cost at that point. Davies, you mentioned, I mean, Jonathan and Gary have spoken about the fact that the advertisers have gone down uh, or have pulled out completely. What are you then doing? You've just explained that it's affected you quite uh, badly, you've had to let go of stuff, um, you voice tracking. What are you, is there a strategy to get those those advertisers back? Are you thinking about that or is it just, you know, a matter of just waiting it out? Um, well, we, we've had to um, rely on, uh, you know, digital uh, digital convergence, if I can, if I can use that terminology. Um, wh what we've done uh, is that, um, uh, all our major programs, they now run on uh, Facebook as well as YouTube. So you find that um, the numbers are actually going up on Facebook because every time we are doing a streaming, uh, live streaming on Facebook, uh, you can see the number of followers actually going up. So we, 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 we have used um, Facebook or live streaming as a value addition to, um, to the clients that have you know, kind of put everything on hold. And they've been coming back because of that, because everybody was saying that, look, they don't, they don't see the need to advertise now because uh, people are at home, they're not, you know, going about doing their normal business and whatnot. So how do we get to them? But you realize that nowadays everybody is on Facebook. So how do you capture that, uh, that, that audience? How do you make sure that your, your client 
um, uh, is motivated to advertise with you. So they look at your platform, they look at the numbers, and now the numbers are growing. They are forced to put something there because they also don't want to go into oblivion because of uh, uh, the pandemic. So they want to remain relevant. They want to remain on the on the face of of, of, of their, their 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 clientele. So they have to use any platform um, visible whatsoever. Um, and so we've been using streaming as as one of the ways in which we have diversified our reach and it has worked uh, really well for us. And then also um, with regard to tracking the numbers, um, ordinarily what we do before this pandemic um, came about uh, is that every every six months we do an internal um, audit, audit uh, uh, audience audit to see who is listening to us. So what we do is we do a sample size of 100 um, uh, in each and every town, city where we, we, we have got presence. Um, and then we, 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 we look for two things, listenership as well as awareness. And that gives us some kind of um, uh, uh, information on who is listening to us. But then we compare our data that we, we, we collect from um, uh, the, 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 from where we, we, we go and get the, the, the data from. We compare it with uh, other independent monitoring institutions such as Ipsos and see what they are also reporting. And many times we found that the, the difference is not so much. So we're quite accurate with, with what we do. And it also helps us in our programming because then it gives us, it shows us how, what, what are the preferences? What is it that people want to listen to on radio? And so during this time of the pandemic, it's been quite difficult because people cannot go out there to go and uh, uh, get this information. And we rely now on, 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 on digital a, a, a platform such as a website. We, we, we put a question, we pose a question on, on the website and people respond to that. And it's also helping us in getting the numbers. It's also getting, helping us in, 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 in getting feedback on the programming during this, this pandemic. And one of the strategies that we use during this, this, this pandemic, we actually one of the radio stations that uh, donated to the government about $30,000 just for them to use for advertising. Um, um, on, 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 the, on the dangers of the COVID-19. And so um, because we had also used the, the, the updates that government was, was giving out on our stream, that kind of gave us a lot of traffic because people wanted to know what is really going on. So every time there will be an update, we would stream it live and you will see the numbers actually going up because people want to know what is, what is, what is really going on. So it, it, the, the pandemic has come with uh, with its own merits and demerits where advertising is concerned. There are a lot of NGOs that have come up, whereas commercial entities withdrew. Some NGOs have come up and they are pushing because they want you know the the information about COVID to to, to go out there. And so they're using um, uh, uh, platforms such as ours because we've got a, a, a huge reach. So where we lost from the commercial side of things, some non-government organizations came on and 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 kind of filled the gap. But we we still, uh, in terms of how much we lost from the commercial guys and what we're getting from from the, the, the NGOs, I think it's 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 um it's it's quite different. There's a huge disparity and and and, and obviously the, the commercials are coming back uh, bit by bit because at some point everybody were on, on, on complete shutdown. But now things are slowly becoming, I mean, getting back to normal. So even the, the, the cash flows are also getting better. Okay. Um, now, now to the, just the, the landscape of radio in terms of state of commercial, community radio. Um, um, Jonathan, what does that look like in Nigeria? And, and is that landscape affected by how easy or difficult it is to get a frequency. I mean, can I rock up in Nigeria and start my own radio station with my own frequency? Or is that a bit tricky? <laughs> it, it depends on what you come as. If you come as a superwoman, uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, we, we've got a few peculiarities uh, industry-wise and that are local to us. So first off, uh, like frequencies, don't they're not sitting there uh, waiting, uh, you have to apply, and then uh, the application is, assa is assessed, uh, the suitability is determined. But more importantly, there are a few places. So say, for instance, Lagos is uh, a, a frequency-saturated market. Uh, at the moment, no new frequencies are, are coming up. 
Um, and it's arguably the most vibrant uh, radio market in the country. Has got uh, over a, an average of about 40 radio, active radio stations uh, in the market. Uh, however, that, that number consists of a few that are... So what you would call uh, community-based stations, uh, we, are, we mostly have what, what we call campus radio. We've got, in the city of Lagos, for instance, we've got about three campus radios that are active. Uh, one of them has been active for quite a long time, uh, something in the space of maybe about 15 years, thereabouts. Um, so we've got that, we've got, uh, we do not have public broadcasters like you have in the case of SABC. What we have are government-owned stations. Uh, and the difference being that the government owns the stations, but they pretty much exist uh, as commercial stations as well. So they, they get into the market with everybody, uh, uh, contest for commercials with everybody, uh, audience with everybody. Uh, they aren't in the strictest form guidelines that make that, that that enforces for them to act and operate differently so what you have is uh, just difference in ownership but uh, uh, same in terms of approach now we've got way more privately owned commercial stations across the country one of the things that i think we need to work on is to give power and rise to the growth of community stations uh, for all the many obvious reasons that they seek to, uh, to do, uh, which of course is first community mobilization and then uh, to become also a base where we can find generation next in terms of broadcasters that would, would come in to take the, the, the mantle of leadership in other aspects of broadcasting. However, there is something that continues to mitigate, which I think is the lack of indigenous technical solutions. Uh, for all, so in, in a country like Nigeria, for instance, we've got well over, and on the average, about over 250 active radio stations. But there isn't any local manufacturing that is happening. From the minutest uh, button that you would press in the studio to the tiniest pin that goes up on the antenna from, from studio to transmission, there is nothing that is being manufactured locally. Uh, sadly, not even uh, continentally for most, most uh, of the things we use. So we have to rely on if your transmitter breaks down, it's either you had an active redundancy or you have to send it to Europe or to America and get it fixed. I think all of this have continued to make broadcasting so expensive, so expensive uh, because every time you have to trade in foreign exchange, then you have to deal with customs and clearance and all of the logistic nightmares. It makes it so hard, like even in this pandemic, to have local solutions where you could easily have said people would come up with a technological option that allows for broadcasting to happen in spite of the scenario. So that's essentially what I see as uh, the, the challenging part of the landscape. There needs to be a reordering of, of, of how all of these things are happening. Um, Blero, I mean, you're a journalist um, with state media. So could you explain a little bit about that? Is, is it similar to what Jonathan was saying? Um, for example, um, a public broadcaster or state-owned media, could you maybe explain how you work in an environment that you work in? Yes. Well, I'm a journalist for the public media, as you said. But uh, what I have to do in, uh, in my work, what I have to do is to, to give the information from the government. I have not to go out of what the government has to give. I have to, to rely what the government has do, are doing, like activities. And I have not, I've not to go out of that, okay? Just relying on the activities of the government. As for myself, I'm working in the parliament, okay? I'm stuck in the parliament, provincial parliament. I have to rely on information coming from the, uh, from the, the parliament, provincial parliament and, uh, and so on. I have not to go out of what, uh, what has been given to me, okay? The activities of the government, I'm just working on it and finished by that. I'm not to go out of that, okay? That's what we, 
um, mean by uh, a journalist working in a uh, what again government station? Okay, I mean, I've had an opportunity to go to Zambia for a few times, uh, specifically to Lusaka um, and Davies. I must tell you, like, I went to a radio summit there. And there were people that had started their own stations. They were people from all over the country that had started their own little radio stations. So, you know, is that prevalent? Is that, is that a commonplace thing? Um, I remember I did an interview in somebody's lounge. The, the windows were open, but they had the mattress pushed up against the, the door <laughs> because they thought that was being soundproof. So could you maybe explain just the diverse types of radio stations that are in Zambia, um, commercial community campus radio? Could you break that down? Yeah, um, uh, true to your word, uh, there are a lot of radio stations that have uh, sprung up in Zambia. Um, you know, from the time that the airwaves were liberalized, um, everybody thought that um, they could own a radio station. So now what people do is that they just buy a transmitter, buy a computer, get in a room, you know, buy a microphone, a little mixer and whatnot, and they're calling it a radio station. So we have um, categories of radio stations in Zambia. We have the religious radio stations, um, which are quite limited in terms of how much coverage they're given, uh, just as, uh, as, as well as uh, the commercial, uh, community radio stations as well. They also have, um, uh, they're limited as to what coverage they, they can be given. Then we also have um, uh, academic radio stations, which are at institutions of learning, such as universities and colleges. And then we also have uh, commercial radio stations, um, where which which sector I belong. I, I happen to be the, the secretary general of the Media Owners Association, by the way. And so um, I know almost all the radio stations that um, that are operating in Zambia. Um, we also have the public radio stations, which are owned by the government through uh, the Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation. Um, um, uh, there, there are quite a few of them, but a lot of radio stations have, have sprung up, and 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 uh, and uh, you know sometimes uh, even the small radio stations that have come up and they have come in the category of commercial, uh, they've come up with their own uh, strategies you know uh, the, the market niches if you call them that if you if you want to call them that they've come up with their own strategies of trying to niche on the market and 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 and, and get their fair share of, of of the audience and you find that some clients that want to go mass market will actually go to the little guy and the little guy will, will, will even have a very low rate and so you find that as the big guys will now start suffering because um, this this guy who wants to target the mass market is using the little guy because the little guy is also targeting the mass market. But ask the commercial guys who are targeting um, specifics. Um, we are suffering because they start comparing the rates. They're like, if if I can pay so much with that guy, why should I pay so much with with, with you guys and 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 so we use the example of uh, uh, a Toyota Corolla and the Bentley. Why 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 would you compare Toyota Corolla and the Bentley? So if you want the price of uh, Toyota Corolla, go to Toyota and buy a Corolla. But if you want a Bentley, you want to drive a Bentley. Come on, don't come and say Corolla is charging me so much. And so um, because of that, uh, you know, we, we retain some, some some respect from certain clients because we want to maintain standards. And even the programming is not the the type of programming which is here yeah. and there. You know, it has no style, nothing, because you just want to reach the guy at at at, at the bottom there. You need to have um, a, a specific standard, and and so there are clients that want to maintain that as well. Uh, but there are clients that say, oh. Our, 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 our target is the mass market. So we want to go to the little guy. And so if you want business from us, you need to match um, 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 the rates of the, of the little guy, which we can't do, unfortunately. Yeah, so this is what is happening. Um, uh, there is now competition between even the community radio stations have also now you know, started um, claiming their fair share of the, of the market, um, depending on, on, on their reach. So in our case... Our strategy has been to unitize our station. That's why we have uh, uh, six uh, broadcast points dotted across the country so that each, each unit is able to run independently if there's need. But then there's a network that 
at, at some point you run on, on the network, you're running the same thing. Um, then during some times you want to target a certain, a certain um, uh, audience, you would um, use that unit to run different things from what the other units are running. And so that is the strategy that we are, we are currently employing um, here in Zambia. If you are watching, make sure that you do send us your questions at the Q&A tab at the bottom, and I'll get to them in just a few moments. Now, so a question I was asked at another Radio Day session, I was put on a panel and somebody asked me this question and I had to think quickly on the spot. So I'm gonna put it to you guys. Uh, are there any radio formats or radio structures that we have adopted um, from Western radio? So whether it's Australian or European or American radio, that we've adopted, but maybe don't fit um, for our region or for our um, area or for our culture. Uh, can you think of anything, Gary, where, I mean, we do look to the West for inspiration in terms of uh, our, our promotions, our campaigns, sometimes even our, our time slots, but have we adopted certain um, formats or have we adopted certain trends that really don't work for Africa or for your particular region? Um, I think sometimes the way we, we day part radio stations doesn't really always translate um, in, a, in a much more informal, you know, for example, drive time radio, it's a different thing when public transport is moving the majority of the people. Uh, it's not quite as personal a medium, it's more of a sort of more broadcasting, um, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of tactic that you can, that you can employ. Um, I think sometimes the, the, the way we sort of pick genres and formats typically follows, uh, there's been a lot of American consultants floating around Africa, and we find a lot of the very American style approach to formatting and genres that still filter through in a lot of the trainings. I had a very engaging discussion once with an Australian radio station, thought I was being clever by asking, what format are you? And he said, we're not a format. And I said, well, how do you define yourself? He said, we ask our listeners what they want and then we give it to them, which I just thought was such a straightforward way to understand programming. And, and often I think it's in how we're training our staff and how we're thinking about some of the more technical aspects of our programming that filters through. From a broader format perspective, I think formats that don't work don't survive. Um, and so, you know, from a commercial perspective, um, if no one's listening and advertisers aren't interested, you're probably not going to be around for very long. Um, and so I, I, to get your question clear, I think that for, formats ultimately are, are self-sufficient when they're successful. And it means if you're around, then there's a reason for your existence. Yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, we even, even our time slots, I think even those, the, those channels we adopt and we think that they're going to work when actually... Uh, in Africa, things work a bit differently. Uh, and so it's just about tuning into the behavior of people um, in our area and in our region. And Jonathan, I mean, when we're thinking about radio in, in Nigeria, it, where, are we, where are we basing, where are you basing or building your foundation on? Is it American type radio? Have you seen different styles? Um, you know, what has worked? What have you found works? Um, and maybe it doesn't work for radio and the formats that you guys have chosen uh, in Nigeria. First off, when you have a country of 200 million people, it's, it's, it's most likely you would find everybody with wanting, like almost anything you put out, you'd find people who would want to consume it. However, I would say um, while there, there are certain formats of radio that have been developed uh, or have been advanced in certain parts of the world. So, so take, for instance, how you find the zoo radio was made famous out of America, but it has become very huge in Australia. Uh, you'd find CHR that, that was pretty much like created in America and uh, has become very huge in England. Uh, for us, what we've done is, uh, for every format we've tried to do, and we, we, we operate in different formats, we first understand that every radio must, for, to, for every radio to be successful, it must be local, meaning there must be people that you connect with. Formats are mostly just a, a, a means of convenience that we develop to, for ease of programming. But in terms of reaching the audience, we try to find out what is the USP. 
so say for instance, we, we, we run two brands that are CHR, but one of the brands, uh, Sound City, for instance, we, we've made it because Sound City as a brand is a brand that was built and developed in Africa. And part of the goal is to say, look, we would create something that is contemporary, con uh, that is African from a contemporary nature that tries to be a vanguard of the African pop generation. Um, many years ago, it wasn't common to find radio stations uh, on the continent that will play 100% music made on the continent. But we've been able to rewrite that narrative. So we operate a CHR, which is essentially certain key ingredients of repetition, the way you arrange the library and all of that. But the music that is played is... Uh, it's like 90% Nigerian and 10% uh, the top pop songs on the continent. And it's, it's gone off to a very massive acclaim across the country. And uh, we've got demands for it outside of the country. We've got, uh, as I speak to you, we've got a couple of, uh, about a few countries wanting, uh, people wanting us to come do Sound City radio stations uh, in those places. So what I've seen is that if you take a straight jacket approach and you do a copy and paste, you are not likely going to get the same answer, the same results. But when you do best practice learnings and you look at what works, humans are humans. They want to have fun. They want to have fun. Fun may just be slightly different in uh, Arusha from how it will most likely be in, uh, in Bloemfontein. But I think when people just want to have fun, radio is universal in how it caters to people. And I, I think... If you look across the continent, you'll see that the most famous brands are brands that have indigenous feels to it. Um, you, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, Citizen in Kenya, uh, Ukozi in uh, South Africa, if you go to everywhere. In Nigeria, we've got our indigenous brands uh, have got massive offtake. So I think basically that's all. The only thing we're doing is we're looking at there are, there's a crop of new Nigerians, new Africans, who what is native to them is not necessarily what is traditional in the sense of being native. And we're keying, we're looking at that and seeing how daily as people change, then we also change to cater to their needs. Okay, uh, going to our questions, I've got something for you, Davies. Uh, it comes from Mac Piri, who is a radio specialist. And his question says, um, he wants to know what a lasting solution to nurturing new talent uh, in campus radio. Uh, solution to nurturing new talent is campus radio station the solution? Oh, okay. So he wants to know, are we nurturing the talent that is coming out of uh, campus radio? Um, and he also wants to know why most stations treat radio badly with no structure. All they do is throw things in a box and hope um, that um, magic is structure, a problem for radio. Yes, so basically Mech is asking whether why radio stations are not treating radio well. Uh, they just throw everything in a box and they hope magic comes out. And he also wants to know when we are nurturing talent, are we looking to campus radio as the solution? So Davies, could you answer that for Mech? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks very much, Mick, for, for that question or for those questions. Uh, uh, to start with the issue of um, nurturing um, uh, radio presenters, um, it, it's, it's, it's not really supposed to come from campus. Uh, in as much as it's a, it's a base, it's where to start from. Uh, I think exposure is what is really going to give um, um, the future presenters what um, they need to, to be. If they're going to be good presenters, they need to be exposed to what is already trending, the good presenters that we already have. I mean, if Claire is one of the, 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 the brilliant presenters that we have, um, uh, she needs to have people following her to say that she's my role model. And that's when you're going to have people um, uh, or presenters, uh, you know, developing good skills. But if they're going to campus to go and learn how to be a good presenter or they'll go to a campus radio. I've, I've listened to a lot of campus radio stations and uh, understandably so, they are students. Um, but rarely have I really 
uh, heard a very good radio presenter on a campus on a campus radio because they do it as part time. They do it for fun, so they're not really training to be good presenters. And I don't think they're really exposed to uh, you know to, to the modern trends in 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 presenting on 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 radio on radio. So I think exposure is is, is one key area and. Um, uh, uh, conferences and 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 and, uh, and and workshops like this, where you bring people that are already good at it, um, that's the way to go. That's the what will will, will help uh, the presenters, you know, uh, develop a good skill, and not just being on campus radio or being in a in a class and 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 learning how to do it. I don't think that is going to 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 uh, uh, to do it. Um, the other issue of having uh, radio stations, you know, with no structure whatsoever. That's one problem that we seem to be grappling with uh, in Zambia. And one of the things that we've been trying to address as Media Owners Association is to bring some form of uh, sanity in the industry. Uh, you find a radio station that has no programming whatsoever. They just throw anything you know, that they want to, 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 to throw. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, or is it fortunately for them, um, they, 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 they have an audience. You know, the people that just like anything that is thrown at them and they have an audience and you find that a lot of stations that um, are actually targeting the mass markets are culprits. They are the ones that usually are just throwing everything in a box and hoping, you know, things just come out and, and, and luckily so somehow there are some stations that have got, got, gotten away with it, you know, so it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a mess that needs to be cleaned up. There has to be some industry standards, some industry practice and, um, if, if, if we come together as a continent and set up some standards which we can apply from Nigeria, I mean, Jonathan is, is, is giving us some very good lessons. Uh, maybe we can try and, and, and help the guys that just throw things in a box like what Mac is saying. Thank you so much, Davies. Uh, Gary, you had your hand up? Uh, yes, thanks, Gary. I, um, I do think, however, that, that campus radio plays a vital role in, in the long-term future of commercial radio, especially in an African context. Typically, we have big major market stations um, that require an, an ongoing level of talent coming in. So in my previous role, we had agreements with university, both university campus stations in our city, where we were able to place talent we thought would be developed but needed hours behind the microphone. Um, and in return for the campus radio stations, giving access to the talent we identified, we provided training programs for the broader talent because out of every 20 people that get onto campus radio, one probably winds up in professional radio, but that is typically the person who desperately wants to be there and will work hard. Um, and in a commercial sense, it's hard to pick someone from the reserve team straight into the first team uh, or someone from school straight into the first team. So. Campus radio, I think, plays an important role in the development of talent for radio. And I think commercial radio, if there is a, a definite strategy to develop talent hand in hand with um, with campus radio stations, typically because they don't, their survival isn't dependent on selling adverts. Their survival is dependent on being efficient and sort of fitting the role of what students are looking for. Um, and I think there's a very nice synergy there if it's explored. Thank you so much, Gary. I know we have a voice note, so if we could play that voice note before we close off. Uh, good day, Radio Days Africa team, the panelists and all the attendees um, who are there. So this is Tumelo in Botswana, and I wanted to ask um, the difference between a commercial-owned radio and a public-owned radio. Like, in terms of the content, that we hear, how does it differ from one radio to another? And um, I want to know if if the content has to really be different from those two um, private and public owned radio stations. Thank you so much for that voice note. I'm gonna ask Gary to take this uh, quickly, uh, if you can keep it brief. So I think the um, I think the public broadcasting space is an essential element. There's a lot of things that commercial broadcasters simply won't do because they're not profitable, but that doesn't mean they're not needed to be done. Um, and I think the, the the critical element to understand is that in the public broadcasting space, you are dealing with a number of 
not sexy items. And this would be things like education, um, medicine, politics, uh, providing platforms for people to speak. Um, typically, kids programming plays a big role in an African context. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons for public radio to be an important part of our lives. Um, and the, the, you know, the, there, is a, there is a space for both to develop and thrive. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We've come to the end of the session. This was fantastic. This was Africa. Hello, Africa. Tell me how you're doing. Thank you so much to Davies, Kabuse. I really appreciate your time. Gary Struble, Blero, Kajam, and Jonathan. Thank you so much, all of you. Uh, and if you haven't, make sure you do register for more Radio Days Africa sessions. My name is Clemawisa, and this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy.